morning in the book of Acts chapter 19, if you'll look there with me, Acts chapter 19, we're going to read a few verses here in the first part of this chapter, Acts 19 in verse number 1. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. In finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. The book of Acts is a wonderful book that describes to us not just the acts of the apostles, but the actions and the movement of the Holy Spirit through those early disciples. So the acts of the apostles could not have ever had been accomplished if it had not been for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon them. Praise God uh, for that. So Paul has, uh, is finishing up his second missionary journey, and in chapter 19, he's getting started on his third missionary journey. And just remember that the scripture uh, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 uh, describes what would happen after that the Holy Ghost came upon those early disciples. You're going to receive power, he said, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. The word martus, martyrs. They were, being, they were willing to lay down their life for the message of Jesus Christ. You'll be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. When you read through the book of Acts, you see that's exactly what happens. It starts in Jerusalem when Pentecost is poured out on the day of Pentecost, then it just begins to spread. Judea, Samaria, uh, to the uttermost part of the earth and much of the areas that the Apostle Paul traveled to on, the, on these missionary trips. Uh, that would be considered the uttermost part of the known world at that time. And he went to the, ex the extremes uh, into Europe and Asia and uh, preached the gospel and established churches in all of those, those areas. So when he leaves Corinth, there in the latter part of chapter 18, he goes for just a short while to Ephesus. It doesn't say how long, but he wasn't there very long at all. Interesting enough, a lot of the places that he went, uh, he uh, had a lot of opposition. 
Sometimes he was run out of town. Sometimes he had been stoned outside of the city. But at Ephesus, the Bible says that they wanted him. They desired him to stay there and to continue to minister in that, uh, that big city of Ephesus, probably 250,000 people. But they, there was a hunger there. There was a desire there, but Paul already had his plans mapped out. He was headed to Jerusalem, to the Passover, to the feast time, and then he was going to go to Antioch. Antioch was the place where they laid hands on him and upon Barnabas and separated them for uh, the ministry and then sent them out. That's what a, uh, the closest thing that we know to a, an apostolic ministry in our day is those missionaries that are sent out from us. And uh, an apostle is just one that is sent forth. So Paul finishes up his missionary, uh, second missionary journey in Ephesus, probably just a, a few days, maybe a week or two in Ephesus. He leaves with them wanting him to stay, but he has his plan and his purpose that needed to be needed to be fulfilled. So he goes then to Jerusalem, reports in to the church leaders, then he travels up to Antioch, that place where he was uh, sent out to, to missionary work. And then from Antioch, he starts his third missionary journey, which most of it is spent in Ephesus and in, that, in the region of Ephesus. And so that's where we take up here in chapter 19 that he comes uh, to, to Ephesus, and when he comes there, there have been those who have been ministering in Ephesus. Paul was there a short while, so there were some believers, and uh, uh, Aquila and Priscilla had traveled with him. No doubt they're having an impact there. There's another guy that comes along by the name of Apollos, and he is mighty in the scripture and is an eloquent preacher, and the Lord uses him there in Ephesus as well. But when Paul comes to Ephesus, he comes to the believers there and he asks them uh, a very important question. And the question that he asked them was, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And he asked them that question because they had been baptized uh, with a baptism of repentance. They were believing upon the Lord, uh, but there was just something more that they needed and he knew that they needed and he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Well, that's a pretty important question to ask. That's an important question to ask Anyone that's a believer, anyone that's ever been saved and born again, that's an important question to ask. Have you received the Holy Ghost? Now, to deny the working and the moving of the Holy Ghost, you really literally have to erase the book of Acts and just set it aside and say, uh, because the book of Acts is just a book of the manifestation uh, and the workings of the Holy Ghost through those early disciples and in the early church, it was an outpouring uh, in, uh, in uh, Jerusalem, 
First of all, Jesus telling his disciples, don't leave. He was literally saying to them, don't even attempt this task of spreading the message of the gospel. You don't have what it takes. You don't have the power. They were believers. They were followers of Jesus. But he said to them, you don't have what you need to face the challenges of carrying the gospel to the world the way that it needs to be carried. You need something special, uh, a divine visitation from heaven. And that's what Acts chapter 2 describes, that suddenly from heaven, the heavens are opened and the Spirit of God is poured out upon those waiting disciples and they are filled with the Holy Ghost and they speak with tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. Amen. Praise God. I, I'm, I'm grateful that you're saved. If you're a Christian today, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, but there's more. There's more for you. There is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And I do believe that what's been happening, such as Asbury and various places around the country, that we read reports about various uh, revivals and outpourings. I do believe that what the Lord is wanting to do is pour his spirit out so that the gospel can go into all kinds of places where it has not gone before and um, that the gospel can go forth and can there can be a, a mighty work of, of uh, evangelism and missions that can, that can happen. There's a supernatural knowledge and a supernatural ability that comes by the power of the Holy Ghost. And you see the example of that all through the book of Acts uh, in, in Samaria. Uh, when Philip goes to Samaria and preaches the gospel uh, to them, they are stirred, they are changed. The Bible said the whole city is filled with joy. Because things are happening there and a lot of people are, are getting saved. But then it says when the word of that came uh, to those in Jerusalem, they came, Peter uh, and uh, James travel to Samaria and there they preach the gospel to them and they preach the Holy Ghost to them. Who when they were come down, verse 15 prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. So great joy is in Samaria. Even great miracles are taking place in the city of Samaria. But then when they preached to them the message of Pentecost, and the message of the, of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, then they are filled. Praise God for that. Let me just insert this right here. Sometimes I've talked to people and there's a little bit of confusion about terminology uh, because you, might, you hear people talk about uh, the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. All the same, all the same person, all the Greek word pneuma, that one that breathes into us, the breath of heaven that breathes upon us. And so it's completely uh, correct uh, to say, I was filled with the Holy Ghost, or I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, 
or the Spirit of God filled my life. All of those term, all that terminology is correct. I met a lady one time who said, uh, on this subject, she said, she thought that when you got saved, you received the Holy Spirit, and then later on, you would receive the Holy Ghost when you spoke with other tongues. She was just a little bit confused because that same person, that third person of the Trinity comes into your life when you are saved. But then there is another uh, experience whereby you are baptized or immersed into the power of the Holy Ghost. And that's what we're talking about today. Amen. And it's a very real experience. It's very real. And it's a book of Acts experience. And I praise God for that. And you know, whenever, whenever um, uh, the emphasis uh, is upon revival and upon uh, people getting saved and people being filled with the Spirit, it, it's, not, you know, it's not an inconsistent thing to preach about salvation or to preach about folks being filled with the Spirit. It's all a part of the plan of God for the church to be, surely for people to be born again of the Spirit and then to be filled with the Spirit and to see the importance and the necessity of this glorious experience. The same thing happened five times in the book of Acts that the Spirit of God was poured out upon a group of people such as Cornelius's house and now this example in Acts chapter 19 where Paul comes and says to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you heard about this message of the Holy Ghost since you believed? If you've not heard about it, that he preached to them and laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost and they spoke with other tongues and prophesied. Praise God. Amen. You know, one of the things that... Uh, is always a part of an outpouring of the Spirit of God is um, that there is a stirring toward doing His work. There's a stirring toward the work of the ministry, the work of the kingdom of God. Now, if you're not interested in doing God's will and doing God's work, giving your life to Him, to doing His will, then you're gonna waste your time seeking after the Holy Ghost. You're going to waste your time because the Spirit of God is poured out so that He can get control of you and use you for His purpose and His glory and to fulfill the ministry that He has given to you. Amen. Praise God. So we need to, we need to be reminded of that and realize that when the Spirit of God comes, He takes over. He's in charge and uh, completely roots out everything, uh, purges out every satanic stronghold. He puts down every uh, authority and everything that tries to raise up against uh, the Lord, every enemy of the things of God. He raises up a holy standard in our life so that we can live to please the Lord and not ourselves. Working for God in ministry is not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about the advancement of the kingdom of God. And that can't happen unless you are filled with the spirit of God. Amen. 
Praise God. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, it says, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. When you are baptized with the Holy Ghost, it is a reminder to you that you, you are, it's, it's not about you. It's not about what your life, what your preferences are, your desires are. You lay that all aside to see how does God want to use me to advance the work of the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about when we are filled with the spirit of God. Amen. I was just a young person when I received the Holy Ghost. I got saved and then not just very shortly after received the Holy Ghost, I had no desire, zero desire, none. I was not one bit interested. I never had a thought about ministry. I never, ever, never had, it was, I had other ideas and other plans about my life and my future. When you're 15 or 16 years old, you're already kind of formulating some ideas about what you want to do in the direction of your life. I was doing that, and it never included ministry. <laughs> I did not think about it as a possibility. I never would have ever considered it at all until I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. When I was filled with the Holy Ghost as a young person, then suddenly things started changing and my desires, my, my, my focus and my interests begin to change and I begin to entertain the possibility, is this something that God might want to do in me? Is this something that God might want to work in my life? If you want to be used of the Lord, you need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit and then empowered to do what He wants to do with your life. Amen. Too often we are making our own plans about our lives and our futures. Young people, it's fine. Make your plan. Go to school. and you know Nothing wrong with planning uh, toward a particular vocation or career. Nothing wrong with that. And I'm not saying that you receive the Holy Ghost and you're automatically going to be a missionary or a, or a preacher. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. I, but I am saying that when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, then it changes the whole focus of your life. As far as the future of your life, you recognize that the priority has to be doing the will of God, being used of God for whatever purpose that he's called you to be in, and you can't fulfill that in your own power and your own strength it only comes by the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. So if you're contented to live your life for yourself and for your own goals, you're not really a candidate to receive the Holy Ghost. If you're satisfied with the way things are in your life and the direction that you're taking, then I don't know that you even need to seek the Holy Ghost. But if you have a hunger to please God, a desire for more of God, and you want to do the will of God with your life, then you need to seek the Lord and ask Him to fill you with the Spirit, to fill you with the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. That's what He did in Acts chapter 2 for those waiting disciples there in the upper room in Jerusalem. He filled them with the power of the Spirit of God. If we know anything about those disciples, we know that they, they were very common. We know that they were uneducated. We know that they didn't have a lot of uh, natural 
uh, ability or education or training as far as ministry was concerned. None of those things did they have. But that day, the Spirit of God was poured out upon them. And after that glorious experience of the power of the Holy Ghost in their life, then they moved out in ministry. Then they moved out to please God as witnesses declaring the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Another thing that's kind of a misconception sometimes in our Pentecostal circles is that the Holy Ghost is an experience just to be enjoyed. And we come and we get into a revival and we receive good things from the Lord and we receive the blessing of the Holy Ghost in our lives. But it is never, ever just about you. It's never just about you having a good feeling or having a wonderful experience. It is all about being endued with power. It's all about receiving something from the Lord so that you can move forward and do the will of God in your life. Praise the Lord. So why not let him take control? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Why not allow him to take control of your life? Another wonderful benefit of the Holy Ghost is that the Holy Ghost is also called many times in the New Testament the spirit of truth. That uh, when you receive the Holy Ghost then you uh, understand the importance of lining your life up to the word of the Lord and the importance of, of living according to, to God's word. You'll have a newfound power to hear it, to receive it, to understand it, and to obey it. Amen. The spirit of truth comes and gives you that uh, extra uh, ability to hear and receive the word of the Lord and then to walk forward in obedience to the word of God. Amen. John 14 and 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So he told those early disciples, when the Holy Ghost is poured out, then all the words that I've spoken to you, all of my teachings, I'm going to bring all of those to, to your remembrance and help you to, to remember them and understand them and be able then to communicate them to the world that needs the truth so desperately. Praise the Lord. So he spoke to those disciples there in Ephesus and said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? This is the fifth place in the book of Acts where there was this emphasis on the Holy Ghost. The spirit was poured out and they spake with tongues and prophesied five times in the book of Acts. It was these five times that those, those uh, Christians that met at uh, Kansas City, Topeka, Kansas, the early 1900s, that uh, when they were studying, they were told, wait here. They were at a Bible school, a small little Bible school in a kind of a forsaken mansion. And uh, that's where they were. And they were told to, to study the book of Acts, read the book of Acts. And they went through the book of Acts and they saw the, the five different places 
where the Holy Ghost was emphasized and then they were, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake with tongues and they prophesied. And they, as a result of seeing those five places, including Acts chapter 19, where the emphasis was upon the outpouring of Pentecost, when they saw that, then <coughs> they began to seek the Lord. They began to seek the Lord. Well, if that's in the book of Acts, then that must be for us. And so that turn of the century outpouring of Pentecost um, in the early 1900s, actually 1900, when the Spirit of God was poured out in Topeka, Kansas, and then spread to Houston, Texas, and then spread to California to Azusa Street in 1906, and then spread across the country um, in a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God is because it is the message of the book of Acts. Amen. That the Lord will, has promised to pour out His Spirit upon those that are hungering and thirsting for more of the Lord and a desire to do something for God. Amen. There's no way we can face the challenges of uh, this day that we're living in right now with such a darkness and such a rejection of the things of God. I mean, uh, uh, there's so much hatred, so much uh, anti-Christ, anti-Bible, uh, anti the things of God that seems to be a, a prevailing spirit in our world today. Isn't it interesting that revivals have sprung up in college campuses across the country? I forget which college it was, but I, one of the major colleges, they shut them down. I don't remember what it was. Anybody read that? I don't remember which one it was. Seems like it might have been Princeton or it was one of those major colleges where they were, they were wanting to seek the Lord and wanting to have prayer meetings and the administration said, no, we don't want that. We don't want that. Let me tell you, there's going to have to be a mighty power of the Holy Ghost resting upon our lives if we're to face the challenges of these last days. This antichrist spirit that is rejecting the things of the Lord and won't have it, no, will allow it to happen. Um, but I don't believe that it can be contained. I don't believe it can be contained. So many of these, since they're not allowed to have their prayer meetings on campuses, they're finding sites off campus and they're going ahead with their prayer meetings and uh, seeking the Lord. It's the most amazing thing when you read uh, what's happening across our country right now. It is an answer to prayer. It is an outpouring of the Spirit of God. And I know that there's a lot of different groups and, and uh, there could be questions about different, different doctrinal issues and such as that. But the real issue is this. There is a hunger there is a hunger and a desire for God that's spreading across this country. And that hunger is an answer to prayer. And we need to be rejoicing and praising God that he's stirring up the hearts of people across this country. Amen. It's only in the last year or two uh, that on many of these campuses uh, that there was all kinds of, of uh, uh, rioting and burning buildings and destruction on those very same campuses where now there is the fire of the Spirit of God burning. Isn't that an amazing thing? Let me tell you, it can't be contained. It can't be stopped. It can't, uh, uh, it can't be hindered or, or uh, uh, in any way halted. It, it, 
It will not be as long as the people of God begin to seek the Lord and continue to believe God, he is going to pour his spirit out. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He said, well, we've not even heard of this Holy Ghost. So he preaches to them the Holy Ghost, and then he lays hands upon them, and the Holy Ghost comes upon them, and they speak with tongues and prophesy. That's in Ephesus. That's in a city of 250,000 people. That's where the temple of the goddess Diana is. And all kinds of idolatry and wickedness is there. But God is raising up a mighty, powerful force there. And the church at Ephesus becomes this wonderful, mighty church influencing uh, the city of Ephesus. Praise God. That's what he wants to do. In you and in me and all of us. The question is, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Well, I believe that there's so much available for everyone. But young people, if you haven't received the Holy Ghost, then it's time to say, Lord, whatever you want to do with my life, I'm ready. And I'm willing. However you want to use me, Lord. I'm really, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready and I'm willing to give myself to you. And once you do that, you become a vessel, a candidate for the Spirit of God to come and to take control of your life, to fill up your life so that you can begin to do His purpose and His will. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for this wonderful Holy Spirit baptism. We thank you, Lord, that you have promised to pour your spirit out upon the young and the old, upon uh, the men and the women, upon every class in life, the servants and the handmaidens. Lord, that's your promise. Lord, that you will in the last days pour out of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I know, I know that what you're seeking is just vessels that are empty and are hungry and are desiring your mighty power in their life. And Lord, I pray that you would satisfy the hunger in the hearts of men and women here in this service today. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.